Imagine you're feeling groggy and the last thing you remember is a man in a butcher's apron stepping out from behind a door. You try to open your eyes, but the lights are so bright you just can't focus. Slowly, your pupils contract and the rest of your life slowly comes into focus. You try to move your head to look around, but you can't. You can't move your head, your arms, or your legs. You're strapped to a table with plastic wrap. Your mind is going a million miles a minute, but you can't focus. Then you hear a cheerful voice come from the darkness in the corner of the room. I know what you did, the man says. He walks into the light, and he's dressed as a doctor, no, a surgeon. He has a bag of knives and torture devices. All the pleading in the world won't help you now. It's time to pay the piper. What if Dexter were real? What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Hello friends and enemies, and welcome. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Evil. I need to ask you guys for a favor. I need you to take like three seconds and subscribe to the show or follow the show if you're using Apple Podcasts. This will help me attract new listeners by having Exploring Evil appear in more searches for true crime podcasts. It's pretty simple, but more subscriptions, the sooner you appear in the search, the more listens you get. Increased listeners could lead to weekly shows instead of bi-weekly. I really appreciate you as a listener, so thank you in advance. I also want to take a moment to thank Tori from Brisbane, who says she recently discovered Exploring Evil and has been binging the podcast. She wants to hear episodes on Vincent Lee, the Canadian cannibal, and James Gordon Walcott, which are very intriguing and are on the list. Being that tonight's episode takes place in Brazil, I will most likely be mispronouncing some names, so I apologize in advance. Pedro Rodriguez Filho, or Pedrino Matador, as he would come to be known, was born in Santa Rita do Sapucai, Minas Gerais, Brazil, July 17, 1954. In this Portuguese name, Filho is a generational suffix meaning son, which is used for someone whose name is the same as their father, like junior in English. Santarita do Sapucai is a municipality in the southern region of Minas Gerais state in Brazil and is generally referred to as Santarita. Traditionally, the foundation date of Santarita is considered to be May 22, 1885. The first mass was held in the chapel built on orders of Dona Genoviva Maria Martins de Fonseca honoring a promise made by her late husband, Manuel José de Fonseca. Santa Rita is located in a privileged site, a few hundred kilometers away from the states of Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo in one of Minas Gerais' richest regions. 
It dwells between mountains and has pleasant weather as typical of the historically Atlantic forest-covered southeastern Brazil throughout the year. International soccer player Roque Jr., who was in the Brazil's world champion squads of 2002, was born in Santa Rita. Although located in a rich coffee-growing region, Santa Rita is known for its high-technology industries, being home to one of Brazil's foremost electronic computer engineering colleges. Santa Rita uses prisoners to power street lamps in a local plaza. Inmates are offered the opportunity to shorten their sentences by pedaling a bike that is connected to a car battery, which is then used to power the lighting grid. Brilliant! Life was painful and unforgiving right from the start for Pedrino. His abusive father had a habit of kicking his pregnant mother's belly during fights. During one of these arguments, Pedrino's skull was damaged when his father kicked his mother in the stomach. He grew up in a clay hut with no floor, no TV, maybe a radio, and no podcasts. Take a deep breath and count your blessings, and be thankful you didn't grow up like Pedrino. He became a constant victim of his father's aggression and abuse. It was a world from which he could not escape, but he remained loyal to his family. Perhaps this miserable existence gave him a taste for suffering and death at a young age. Pedrino claimed he felt the urge to become the matador for the first time at age 13. In Spanish, matador means bullfighter, but in Portuguese, the language spoken in Brazil, it just means killer. In a fight with a cousin, whom he described as distant, he pushed the young man into a sugarcane press, almost killing him. Pedrino said the boy's arm went through the press and it jammed up. He said farmers came to help the boy and turn the press off. He stated that he then chopped him up with a machete. But his grandfather signed what Pedrino described as a term of responsibility. This presumably exonerated Pedrino and blamed the death of the boy on an accident. In an interview, Pedrino described the incident by saying, quote, I had to do it. Pedrino said the boy was mad at him because he had taken a horse ride. He said the boy punched him and kicked him, and Pedrino said, I'm going to fucking kill you. He also said they always had guns, knives, and machetes on the farm. Pedrino said his close family didn't care because it was a distant cousin. He said there was no vengeance from the boy's family because his grandfather protected him. Not only did the system fail the boy who was murdered, but it failed Pedrino too. Perhaps if he'd been put into counseling or even a mental institution, that would have been his last murder. That's what you're thinking, right? Well, as we'll soon see, he may have just been born a monster, like Dexter. When Pedrino was just 14 years old, his father, a school guard, was accused by the vice mayor of having stolen food from the school's kitchen. Pedrino must have still thought it was his duty to protect his father's honor. Pedrino loaded a shotgun and waited for the vice mayor. 
He ambushed and shot the mayor on the courthouse steps. But he wasn't finished. He targeted and murdered one of the school guards whom he believed to be the true thief. Pedrino's cousin had gotten pregnant from a man who then abandoned her. Pedrino tracked him to a farm in Rio de Janeiro and found him lying on a hammock. But the man knew why Pedrino was there and shot him with a 44 caliber handgun. But Pedrino was not to be denied. After the murders, he was a very wanted man, and he was forced to flee, going into hiding in the filthy slums of Moje das Cruzes, Greater Sao Paulo. This was the wrong side of the tracks. The streets were ruled by gangs and thugs. Padrino fit right in. You see, Padrino said he targeted certain types of criminals for murder, drug traffickers and gangs who he deemed deserved it. Although he admitted he was a heavy pot smoker, he said he would ask the dealer if it was good weed. If he said yes, they would smoke together. If Pedrino didn't think it was good weed, they would quote, die instantly. If Pedrino couldn't trust you, he saw no reason for you to go on living. He would find dealers, rapists, and pedophiles by looking up their names and addresses. Then he would track them down and brutally torture and murder them. And before long, during the course of a burglary, he had murdered a local drug dealer. Fast forward to the age of 16. Padrino met and presumably fell in love with Maria Olympia, nicknamed Botina, Portuguese for Little Boot. And they soon were living together and expecting a child. Padrino's behavior had calmed down a bit, but the gang still had a beef with him and possibly with her. Some sources say she was the girlfriend of one of the drug dealers Padrino had murdered. Tragically, one of those gangs tortured and murdered Maria and her unborn child. That was a terrible mistake that would soon lead to a bloodbath. As retribution, Padrino and a group of friends killed seven men. They tortured, shot, and maimed another 16 people, all at a wedding which had been organized by that gang leader. But Padrino remained in Moje da Cruzes, and for a short time had no more reports of criminal activity. Until, one day, while he was returning home, he witnessed a 12-year-old girl being raped by a 20-year-old man. Padrino hit him with a huge stone and the man was dead on the spot. This for Padrino was a realization. He believed women were not safe anywhere. From then onwards, for a few months, he targeted only rapists. Meanwhile, Padrino's father continued to abuse his mother, but a true horror scene was about to unfold. Padrino's father murdered his mother. His weapon of choice? A machete. He slashed her to death and used the machete to dismember her. Much like Dexter. Padrino's father was arrested and sent to a nearby prison, and the matador opened up about it in a YouTube interview. He said his father was led to believe, falsely, that his wife had been unfaithful 
by his father's own family. He said his father was going to kill his whole family, including his brothers, but they escaped with the help of a neighbor. Padrino also said his father feared him and waited for him to go to prison to commit this horrific act. Hollywood couldn't script a plot twist like this one. It would be too unbelievable. Padrino, who attended his mother's funeral in handcuffs, swore revenge on his mother's grave. Padrino, who was already in prison, arranged a meeting and stabbed his father 22 times, cut out the man's heart, and bit off a piece of it. He chewed it up and spit it out and said this was his revenge. Police records show that he was transported in a vehicle with another prisoner, both handcuffed. Somehow, during transport, Padrino killed the other inmate without the police even noticing. When they opened the car door and saw the other prisoner was dead, Padrino said he did it because the man was a rapist. Padrino was found guilty of several murders and sent to one of the harshest prisons in Brazil, where he immediately proved himself to be just as ruthless a killer as ever. After being caught, in an interview, Padrino stated that his favorite method of killing was through stabbing and hacking them to death with blades. What was prison life like for Padrino? We'll find out after this message. Behold, behold the mystery of the cosmos. Hello friends and enemies, I hope you're enjoying Exploring Evil, but there's another dark podcast you may have been missing out on. It's called Cryptique, and my co-host Ryan and I discuss the paranormal, the occult, possessions, dark magic, and so much more. We've done shows on the Black-Eyed Kids, Zozo the Ouija Board Demon, referred to in The Exorcist, A Possessed Nun, and The Devil's Bible. We've also done shows on aliens, conspiracy theories, feral kids, lucid dreaming, and reincarnation. There's something for everyone. If you find comfort in the darkness, Cryptique is for you. You can find Cryptique everywhere you find Exploring Evil. The truth is out there. Exploring Evil. Padrino was arrested for the first time on May 24, 1973, and lived in prison throughout most of his adult years. Although he was sentenced to 126 years imprisonment, he was to be released in 2003 because Brazilian law at the time prohibited anyone from spending more than 30 years behind bars. But his years behind bars were productive for this now somewhat of a folk hero serial killer, if that's a thing. 
He brought what he considered justice on other criminals, seeking out the worst of the worst. He tortured and murdered rapists, drug dealers, and pedophiles. He himself was stabbed in the back several times in prison. Padrino said that prisoners would have conversations if they had a problem with someone, and they would then have a knife fight. Some guys would jump in on your side, some guys would jump in on the other side. Take a deep breath for a second and imagine. I mean really imagine what it would be like to think I'm probably going to be in a knife fight tomorrow. And if I survive, probably another one Thursday after dinner. It's easy to see why Pedrino is so hard after living like this for decades. When a prison gang tried to take him out, five men attacked him in the yard. Pedrino killed three of them and sent the other two running. Prisoners got the message. Nobody is safe. None of you seem to understand. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me! Padrino reportedly had I Kill for Pleasure tattooed on his arm. Padrino admitted he killed a cellmate not because he snored too much, but because he spied on him, having a conjugal visit. It's estimated that Killer Petey had killed at least 47 other criminals while incarcerated. He reportedly never killed a prison guard or anyone attempting to uphold the law. But you can take that for what it's worth based on the early murders. Pedrino said paying for drugs in prison is easy. He trades cigarettes or someone on the outside deposits money in the dealer's account. He thinks it was so easy to get pot in prison because prison officials knew the prisoners would be calm if they were high. But not Pedrino. He did say the prisoners didn't accept crack because they had lost friends to it, but cocaine did get in. Because of further crimes he committed inside the prisons, his sentence was increased to almost 400 years. Pedrino had the freedom to remake his life with his girlfriend, a former prisoner whose name he did not reveal, whom he had met by exchanging letters. After serving 12 years for theft, the woman was released and visited Pedrino in the Tabate prison. After staying in prison for 34 years, he was finally released on April 24, 2007. Information from the National Security Force indicated that he had moved to Fortaleza in Ceara. On September 15, 2011, local media reported that Pedrino was arrested at his rural home where he worked as a caretaker. The civil police officer who located him said, quote, I received anonymous information that Pedrino Matador was hiding in a place in the city of Camboriú. This information was taken to locate with more precision the location where Pedrino would be, and if it really was true. We confirmed the information, moved to the region, and made the arrest. After his arrest, Pedrino was convicted for participating in six riots and for deprivation of liberty, according to Delegate Luana Bacchus of the Division of Criminal Investigations. 
Pedrino was imprisoned for further crimes within the prison. He was finally released in 2018. People are scared of me because they never seek to understand why I kill. You see, I never killed children. I love children. I also never killed women or fathers of good families, Pedrino told Epoca magazine in 2003. In an interview with the Comita podcast, Pedrino said, I can't kill you for free. Why would I kill you if you have never done me or other people wrong? For me to kill someone, it has to have been something serious. Pedrino has recently stated he would only turn into Killer Petey again if someone came to kill him or the ones he loves. But if you're on the sex offenders registry in Brazil, you might want to make sure you don't move to Killer Petey's block. There are interview clips of Killer Petey on YouTube as well if you're interested. Crime is not a joke. Many people enter because they see branches, reputation, and money, not roots, prisons, and death. It's like the devil. Give it with one hand and hold it with the other. Many young people enter. When they want to leave, it's too late. Pedrino now says he regrets his past and is converted to Christianity. Also, he has a YouTube channel called Pedrino, Ex Matador, and Pablo Silvia. He and his friend Pablo Silvia comment on other crimes and warn young people about the dangers of crime. I can't help but wonder what role the early head injury played. I wasn't able to find any medical records of exams or anything, but we see head injuries in so many serial cases it has to be taken into account. In pictures where Pedrino has a shaved head, his skull appears misshapen at the top and front. Pedrino may have killed what he considered bad people, but who was he to judge? If a pothead sells you a bag of dirt weed and tells you it's good shit, do they deserve to die? What about his quote, distant cousin and their argument escalating to murder? Generally, the killers I've researched with head injuries have damage to the part of the brain we believe directs impulse control. It's not as common of a sign as the serial killer trinity, wetting the bed, setting fires, and harming animals, but it is more common than you might think. So that's all I've got on the real Dexter. There's not a lot of information on most of his murders, presumably because of the fact that the victims were mostly considered the refuse of society to begin with. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode of Exploring Evil, and don't forget to subscribe if you didn't when the podcast started. Thanks again to Tori from Down Under, and you can send your favorite case suggestions to exploringevil at gmail.com. Let me know, was Pedrino born a matador, or did his unfortunate adolescence create the killer? Thank you so much for listening, friends and enemies, and have a pleasant evening.